0: You know what's worse than failing? It's not even trying. What's the point of being here if you don't give things a shot? That's what we're all about on this podcast, but we're here to minimise failures, which is why we've partnered with Yotpo for this series. Yotpo has helped thousands of e-commerce businesses of all sizes to grow. Or, put another way, they've helped thousands of cool D2C brands not fail. You know the former footballer turned founder Hal Robson-Khanu? His company, the Turmeric Co, saw a 600% revenue increase after just two years with Yotpo's reviews and loyalty features. Well, that could be because of loads of things, I hear you say. But the proof's in the conversion pudding, and Wolfson Brands increased their ROI on their order flows by 49 times by adding Yotpo's SMS bump. Wild. Plus, your customers can now buy things by replying to texts you send through Yotpo. They don't even need to be on your website. Less friction means better conversion. So... If you're in e-commerce and want to reduce your chances of failure, then check out yotpo. slash secret.
1: That's y o t p o. dot com slash secret. Suppliers, you know, chasing us to pay invoices that, that are due, having to have meetings with the insolvency practitioners, and for anybody who has who's never done that, it's horrible because obviously they're lifting up the bonnet and you're having to explain everything. Oh, it's, it's crushing is absolutely crushing.
0: That's Matt Jones, and he's talking about closing down his business Rubix Advertising, a full service media marketing agency in 2011. From Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray-Surter, and this is our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. We're doing this because we learn a lot more from failure than success, but we hardly ever hear about it. We're changing that with the help of entrepreneurs like Matt sharing their worst moments. When Matt launched Rubik's in 2009, he had no idea that just two years later it would be declared insolvent. And in fact, during that time, the business
1: quickly grew. We had over 50 brands that were using us. We were kind of pioneering, really, kind of the advertising agency industry in Wales at the time. Um, We were only in a region, you know, kind of office, kind of, you know, like a five person outfit. But we we were incredibly successful. You know, first year, we did something like 300,000. Second year, we did something like 800,000. So great growth, you know, in that period.
0: The business made money. So what went wrong? To find out, we need to go right back to the start.
1: When I first launched um, Rubik's, I had been in the media industry for quite some time fairly senior in some positions, but still very much still the media salesman than the businessman. And uh, I had a client that was in in Wales. This individual had been in business for a good 25- 30 years. And um, I told him about my plans for the future that I was going to launch an agency and he offered to invest into the business. You know, and I had the kind of like investor sales pattern, which is, you do what you do best, sell media, deal with clients, and I'll do all of the operational kind of financey businessy stuff, you know, so you don't have to worry about that. You build the business, I'll take care of that.
0: Matt got his investment and started building his business, but after a while, he felt bringing this investor on board might not have been as good for the company as he first thought.
1: So first kind of three, four months in our first trading year kind of finding our feet. After about six months, we kind of really started the churn, getting in great clients, starting to pitch. But I kind of had the feeling still that I was kind of working for somebody else in a sense of the kind of like the reporting and like, and I know this kind of stuff is usual, normal, but kind of like the, the intensity was starting to build around what we were doing, sure. when we were doing it, even though the business was on a really strong trajectory. So, this is a big character, personality, and research and investors, right? And then the second year for me, this investor of ours was just, ah, oh, it's kind of like just very, very, very controlling, very kind of like intense around everything that we were doing. You know, I was having to report every day, being called into meetings all of the time, questioning every decision being made, but also ethically not being the kind of right kind of business partner.
0: The relationship between Matt and his investor was breaking down fast. Plus, the investor was pulling his money out of the business. Matt wasn't happy with the investor's approach and
1: timing. I just felt like, you know, When we were paying back some of the investment, even though morally it was correct, this money is owed. Similar to some of the ways in which it could have been done differently or paid differently. It wasn't like business first. It was like individual first on his part. And I just think, you know, it's, it's to watch out for that as well. Because a contract could say, you know, you'll pay back X amount of money in X amount of time for X amount of percentage. But surely, in some instances, when you have an investor, there has to be some kind of ethically and moral kind of agreement that you won't take it unless you're able to.
0: It was the investor's legal right to get his money back by taking it out of the business. But doing so meant Matt couldn't pay his suppliers or his staff or himself.
1: I can't pay any bills, can't pay the mortgage. This is the, the absolute truth. We had a clamp put on my wife's Fiat 500, I remember one day my wife looked at the window and seeing them come to the house because we've not made a payment. <laughs> we missed three, a few payments because obviously this is gradually getting worse. Um, we were on our honeymoon, which was paid for by a family member. And I've got pictures of me on his honeymoon, like sitting, like you could just see it on me. It was like the like absolutely crushing. I just felt as though like, you know, because obviously in media, the man bit eternal, the margins are small, right? I just felt like there's just the pressure that was on us. From this investor taking money out. So I came home from our honeymoon, not able to pay suppliers. And I didn't want to go out and continue to sell and, and make more money in the business and bring a new client because I just wasn't in a, in a headspace. I could work with this individual anymore. It was just crushing. So the business went under. So we were insolvent, so we, we, we I had to put the business under. And, uh, and yeah, he resigned. He resigned actually before that happened and left me to deal with it.
0: Looking back at his experience, Matt says he was naive to accept the terms of the investment in his company. And to be honest, they do sound pretty dreadful.
1: They invested 50,000. This is in 2009, so 50,000 and they owned 50% of the business. And then within that first year, we needed a bit more liquidity, a bit more cash into the business because obviously invoices and purchasing media, being a new business, you've got to outlay before you bring it in Uh, and being naive to business at the time and like kind of like just wanting to get deals done and get the revenue in. We kind of, we agreed on a further investment of 20,000 and then a further shareholding. So I went from being (laughs) kind of, equal a shareholding to being the minority shareholder, but yet owning less of the business, you know. Right back then, you know, setting this up because, you know, the kind of the loan was for growth. So it was a loan, but he also purchased equity as well. So you know, um it should have been an equity-based kind of deal, whereas he bought 50% for 50,000, It was a new business. But in the end it ended up to be kind of like a, a debt loan where we ended up repaying it back to him. And I'm still holding that shareholding. So that's the kind of situation I found myself in. You mean being naive to the fact of how a business kind of, um, you know, shareholding, raising kind of the different, you know, the nuances around it, being naive. So yeah, I made some mistakes. Of course I did in a sense of I should have done better research. And I said, I kicked myself even the day. You know what I mean? I should have looked into those things more. Matt says we
0: should all be more careful about investors when we're starting out.
1: Having... A bad experience with an investor and losing everything has made me really think carefully, more so about anybody going into business with, especially partnership building. The research into investors needs to be so well more thought out like I speak to many kind of businesses nowadays who have been in the same situation as myself usually as well is startups new individuals new entrepreneurs into an industry regardless of the sector or experience that take on investors and I think sometimes you know we see this kind of opportunity to be able to grow to develop to actually launch and found our businesses there's not enough research put into the people that we bring into the into our businesses because, Regardless of share and control, if you're in business with somebody, they're in with you. And depending on the character, it can be really detrimental. Now,
0: you would think that the story ends there, but it doesn't. Because less than a month after the collapse of Rubik's,
1: Matt decided he wanted to go again. I decided to launch again. Even though everybody around me, family, wife at the time, was telling me, don't do it, you know, this is going to happen again. I kind of decided, I kind of analysed the point where this business fell down. And it was because of that I had an investor that there was no chemistry with. So I let somebody in the door and I had clients that needed to be looked after. So well, the reason why I thought that I needed an investor in the first place, because I needed an office and I needed four or five staff and I, I needed a car. I needed to buy media front straight away. And still too much the salesman. Well, in fact, I didn't need any of those things. I had a roof, <laughs> I had electricity, I had a, a laptop, I had a deck chair that I was sat in. I kind of more of the businessman, reverse engineered the way in which I could launch. So I went back to see every single one of the clients and I managed to retain a good 90% of them. And what I found is, and I spoke to other businesses and entrepreneurs who have been through this, is that you know we're all human, right? And also, mis- mistakes happen, like thing- things go wrong, <laughs> not just in professional life and in personal life. And I was just very much the human. I went back and told the truth, put my hands in the air and explained to the clients that I was dealing with at that time, this is what happened, but this is what I'm willing to do. So I kind of had those conversations and then I kind of, I, I launched without any investment. I had 78 pounds in my bank, my personal banking, 78 quid. I caught more trains in those first two years of building Studio Tree S3 <laughs> than I have in my lifetime. But I did it on my own.
0: Matt grew the business, and in 2019, he sold it for seven figures. He has some advice if you ever find yourself in a similar situation.
1: If I hadn't have listened to the negativity, the, the, the doubt around me, also the inner chatter of, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I would have never been in a situation I was in. So even when you lose something and you hear that voice telling you not to do it, that's normal, it's a self kind of kind of defense thing. But take some time, reevaluate, and then decide whether you're gonna go back because it could just be the best thing you've ever done.
0: Matt Jones, if you have a failure story that you'd like to share, then we'd love to hear it. Please email us on hello at secretleaders.com with a few bullets explaining what happened. You've been listening to our bite-sized series on failure and I've been your host, Dan Murray-Surter. If you want to hear more stories of failure, setbacks and how they impact success, then give us a follow on your podcast app and share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. See you next time.